Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Um, so we're in this series called Acts. Uh, our whole theme, the whole idea is serving God together. And this is, I think, the 12th week in this series. And we're probably going to take it through a, quite a bit of the summer. And then we're going to, finally, we're going to change directions. But I really feel like this has been a series that can impact the hearts and the lives of us. Because we're really following what happened in the New Testament church. Uh, when Jesus told his disciples, says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we're really seeing what's taking place in the believers of the church, how all of a sudden they are actually planting churches and, and people are getting saved and miracles are taking place. And, and the book of Acts talks about the history of the church and it doesn't stop. Uh, it's been said that Acts never stops. We're continue, continuing the, the process on it. We, just, we haven't written it down on paper yet. But basically, we are part of Acts. We are the church. And it will continue forward until Jesus comes. Amen? Amen. So today, today we're stepping into uh, Acts chapter 12. And there's a lot that is happening in the church. And I'm not going to read everything to you today. I'm going to just go ahead and kind of give you a summary and a highlight of a few of the scriptures. But I really encourage you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts 12 or turn your devices on. Don't look at the golf deal. I know some of you are tempted to do that. Don't do that. And uh, open, uh, open up your uh, phone if you want to and follow along in Acts chapter 12. And if, if I'm sharing and, you're going, and you can look at the scriptures and kind of follow along with me today as well. So let's just give a really brief highlight. This is super brief. Uh, a very general summary of what's happened so far up to this point. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, the great John the Baptist has been killed. Uh, Jesus has been crucified, but resurrected. Amen. Stephen was martyred for his faith. Saul was radically saved. And we know him now as the Apostle Paul, the evangelist. And then Peter received a revelation that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for all people, the Gentiles alike. And now we enter into chapter 12, where King Agrippa is on a rampage against this group called the Way. We know them as the followers of Christ. And King Agrippa, just for a little bit of history's sake, is the grandson of Herod the Great. And in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, we see that Agrippa has re-energized the persecution against the followers of Jesus. In fact, he had James, the brother of John, killed by the sword. Now we're talking about the great James, uh, the James that's talked about in the Bible, the, 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 the James that's a part of the inner circle with Jesus. He's the Peter, James, and John, the three that were the closest to Jesus. James is now off the grid. He has been killed by, by Herod Agrippa. James's death probably took place somewhere around 45 to 46 A.D., and it's the first death that's been recorded in the book of Acts since we saw the death of Stephen, who was the first martyr. Now this, James, is really the first one who has died of the 12 apostles. But the reason I'm sharing this is there's about a 10-year span in between the death of Stephen and now we have the death of James. The way it seems like as you read through the scripture that basically the persecution is still happening 
over those 10 years, but it's a little bit more moderate. Yeah, you, if you step out of line, you might get a beating, but there's not a whole lot of executions that we can see that's, going to, that's taking place. And really from, I think, Acts 8 maybe it is, where Stephen uh, was martyred, or Acts 7, and now to today, which is where we're, we're seeing that James is killed, that's about a 10-year period of time where the church was basically... Moving forward, um, they were being tolerated, and not, but now Herod Agrippa's changed everything. He's turning the heat up on the Christians. He's turning the heat up on these followers of the way. Um, Agrippa was very tight with the Jewish religious leaders. What I mean by tight, he was very close to them. He was a Herod who was constantly seeking out the approval of people. Um, History states that he participated in the Jewish festivals in Jerusalem. It's probably not too dissimilar to what we see happen with politicians today. For how they go out to the grand opening of a shopping mall or to a business. And, and they, they, they make themselves seen because they want to be a part of the community. They want to be a part of that. And they're needing your vote. And it's not that they are just bad or anything, but they're part of the community. They want to be liked. And, and this is Herod Agrippa. He wants to be liked. He wants to be... a he wants to receive the approval of the people. He wants to see, receive the approval of the religious leaders. He's out there and he's doing, you know, just all the different things. And now the question we should ask is why did Agrippa kill the Apostle James? If he's wanting to be liked, if he wanted, why did he go out and kill somebody? Why, why would he do that? And we're given really no details to James's death except that we know that he was killed by the hand of a sword. And we, we do know how... According to verse 2, though, this, if you read verse 2, you know this, that it pleased the Jewish people. The death of James pleased the religious leaders. It was pleasing to them that they know finally it's one, one of the three that was close to Jesus. He's gone. He's off the grid. We don't have to worry about him disrupting our religious practices. We don't have to re- worry about him interrupting all the things that we're trying to do in Judaism. And now he's off the grid. Okay, so that's what's taking place. Now, James is a pillar, a great pillar of the church. And the killing of James would have sent huge ripples of grief among the believers of the church. I don't know if you've ever experienced a, one of those tragedies in your life where all of a sudden you lost someone that was very close to you. Or, or there, was a, there was a crisis in your life. And all of a sudden, um, I, if you've ever been there, your faith starts to waver a little bit. Where all of a sudden, it's not that you doubt that God exists, but you just kind of, God, are you there type of scenario? Or maybe you do, God, is there even a God? Because your faith has been hit. I, I can imagine the death of James must have hit the church like a ton of bricks. This is one of the pillars of the church. And all of a sudden, he is no longer, he, killed, was killed. he didn't die of old age. He didn't die of natural causes. He was killed by the sword. And that had a ripple effect throughout the church where all of a sudden it's stirring them up. King Agrippa, because of his desire for popularity, chooses not to back off. Once he he finds out that this pleased the religious leaders of the day, he he didn't back off. So then he goes out and he has Peter arrested during the Passover celebration. He recognizes that this persecution of the followers of Jesus, the persecution of the followers of Jesus are greatly embraced by the religious leaders. But because the Passover was a celebration that didn't take one day, two days. It's not like our church picnic that we're there in the afternoon, we're gone. It was an eight-day celebration. Can you imagine? 
It was eight days of celebration, but because of the Passover, it was that big, long celebration. He decides to lock up Peter in prison or in jail, and he's going to wait till after the celebration, and then he's going to try Peter, and most likely he's going to execute Peter. That's the direction that this is heading. By the way, Agrippa takes, he, he, he doesn't take any chances on guarding Peter in prison. He makes sure that Peter is 100% locked up. And I'm sure that Agrippa's probably heard of previous things that's taken place. He's probably heard that, you know, of pre- previous times where Peter was locked up and he escaped or, or the Apostle Paul escaped. And he probably even heard about the revolutionary Jesus who all these guys are following. That, you know what, they can't even find his body. Somehow he just vanished and clear. He, his tomb is empty. And so he says, that's not going to happen under my regime. I'm going to lock P- Peter up in such a way that he is securely detained. So Agrippa has... Four squads guarding Peter. A squad was a group of four soldiers. So there's 16 people guarding Peter. And just to make sure that Peter wasn't going anywhere, he ends up chaining Peter on one side, his hand and his wrist and his ankles. On one side, he has a guard that he's chained to. On the other side, he has a guard that he's chained to. So he is securely detained. And we kind of just read through this fast, and I just got to paint this picture a little bit. The church has already lost the great James. Now all of a sudden their news is starting to go through all the church community. It's rippling through. Everybody's calling one another, even though they didn't have phones. But they were calling one another. They were sending out the messengers. Did you hear that Peter was arrested? Did you hear that Peter? Okay, Peter, James, and John. James is dead. Now Peter is arrested. Okay, guess what? The church is in crisis. The church is thinking, oh, it's like a gut punch to the followers of Jesus. It was devastating news to the church. But this is what I want to land on today. I want you to see something, how the church responded to the devastating news. They didn't just play dead. They didn't just go all to their individual homes and go into hiding. They didn't didn't just all of a sudden leave everything, you know, like there's nothing we can do, just, just run for your lives. They didn't do that. Instead, they did the one thing that they were told to do during difficult times. And if you look at verse 5, chapter 12, it says, But while Peter was in prison, and say it with me, the church prayed. Say it again. The church prayed earnestly for him, referring to Peter. The church prayed. They chose to cast all their worries and cares upon God. And here's a thought for you today as I was preparing this message and my... Thoughts were running through my mind. I thought of this, I think this is a truth. Persecution and the growth of the church can coexist. But only when prayer is a central focus. We know that there's nothing that's going to come against the church that Jesus Christ set up. We know that for sure. It's never going to disappear. But it can flourish even in persecution when the church decides, you know what? We are going to remain focused and we're going to pray. Throughout the Bible, we see God intervene for his people. And this will be no different because God is faithful. God is the same God who delivered Moses and, from the, and the Israelites from Egypt. The same God who rescued Daniel from the lion den. The same God who healed the unwanted leopard. The same God who delivered Peter from this situation with Herod Agrippa. It's the same, catch this, it's the same God that you serve. Amen. The God that parted the Red Seas is the God that you serve. Amen. 
The God that raised Jesus from the dead is the God that you serve. There is no difference. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So the miracles of the past can be the miracles of your life for today. We just have a tendency to put limitations on God, and we're going to talk about that today. I declare to you he's the God of the impossible. He takes impossibilities and he turns them around to be possible. Are there, the, are there impossibilities in your life right now? Are there things that you say, and I'm not just talking about, oh, it's going to be impossible, I can't, I'm not going to fly to the moon. I'm not talking about those type of impossibilities. I'm talking about the impossibilities that I believe that God has already placed in your heart. And you've kind of given up on those dreams and those visions, those thoughts, because you just start seeing them as impossible. Today I declare to you, those things that are declared, that have been declared over you as impossible, I'm sharing with you today that God can make all things possible. Amen? So let's look at what happens when God's people pray. The first thought is this. Prayer opens doors. There are times in life where we need people praying for us. And this is one of those times where the Apostle Peter, he needed the church praying for him. He's been arrested by Herod Agrippa, and he's already known the fate of James. And now he's awaiting the same fate. And yet the church comes together, and they start to intercede on his behalf. They start to pray like never before. They start to believe in faith that God's going to do a miracle. And they're praying for their brother. They're praying for Peter. You know, we have an intercessory prayer line in our church. When people don't feel well, when, when things are going against, when people need jobs, we put that out. And if you want to be intercessory prayer, you can sign up online or you can talk to Elaine here at the church and, and she'll sign you up so you can receive those emails so that you can go into warfare. Warfare, Pastor Tom. What are you talking about warfare? Yeah, spiritual warfare. You can go into spiritual warfare and you can pray for your brothers and sisters. This is what's happening in the church at this point. They're praying for the apostle Peter like never before because he's, he's in jail. He's in prison. Verse 5, it says they prayed earnestly. Prayed earnestly. That Greek word that is used there is translated, translated intently or fervently. This wasn't a careless prayer. It wasn't a, 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 a lackluster prayer. These prayers are being sent to heaven, contained, they're contained with feeling, they're contained with passion. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't know that we really know how to pray in America. I'm including myself in that. Sometimes we just kind of go through the motions. But all of a sudden, Put crisis in your life. Put a difficult situation in your life. All of a sudden, put persecution in your life. And guess what? You're going to learn how to pray. You're going to learn how to pray. Sometimes when I'm praying, I don't know if you've ever thought this, but sometimes I'm, when I pray, I think, I don't want to listen to my prayer. It's just boring. Why am I even listening to my prayer? It, it, if I wouldn't listen to my prayer, why would God listen to my prayer? I, I don't like your message today, Pastor Tom. I'm trying to upset the apple cart a little bit. Let's just not be routine with our prayers. Let's let our prayers come from our heart. That and I'm not talking that you have to all of a sudden have these eloquent prayers that you write out so that every word is perfect. I'm not saying that you have to yell your prayers out so God can hear you. God can hear you even if you don't say anything out loud. 
What I am saying is that our prayers need to have meaning behind them. They need to have purpose behind them. They need to have passion behind them. They need to be fervent. It should be a conversation. There's times where I'm talking to my daughter. She's up in Washington State. And I'll be talking to her on the phone. And she'll call and she'll just you know, chit-chatting. And all of a sudden she says, Dad, what are you doing? And I said, why? You're not paying attention to me, Dad. She knows immediately where all of a sudden I disconnect and I'm looking at an email. Dad, put your, turn your email off, Dad. Don't be looking at your emails. Talk to me, Dad. She calls me out on it. She knows when all of a sudden my thoughts go in a different direction. Do we do that with God? Do we all of a sudden just get so routine in our prayers, all of a sudden we just kind of start saying things, and, and all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, what did, I say? what did I say to God? Let's be fervent with our prayers. What we're seeing here, and this is what I want, what we're seeing in Acts chapter 12 right now, we're seeing a church that, man, they are fervent, and they are praying, and that they are believing. Does God ever get tired of our prayers? Look at what happens starting in verse 7 of Acts chapter 12. We're going to read 7 and 8. And now remember, Peter's locked up in prison. The church is praying for Peter. And then it says, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. This is Peter's cell. And an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. This happened the night before Peter was to go on to trial. The next morning he was going to trial, and all of a sudden God sends an angel to rescue Peter. And notice that God didn't send some puny, wimpy angel to go rescue Peter. It says that he sent an MMA angel. Come on. It says it struck Peter on the side. And when you look at the Greek word strike, it doesn't mean he gave him a love tap. He struck Peter. Peter, get up. Come on. Let's go. We're getting out of here. And he's moving Peter out. And we can continue to, to read what's taking place because there is, there's no waste of time. He told, follow me, Peter. And it says in verse 10, Peter didn't even realize what's taking place. He thinks that maybe he's still in a vision. I don't know that. Maybe he's, the, the angel hit him so hard, he kind of knocks that senses out. He's still coming to clue. I don't think so. But, but he's just trying to find out if it's real yet. And look at verse 10. It says, they passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. This is before we had clickers to open our gates. This is, there's no electricity. There's no way. This gate opens somehow all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. I share this because let's never underestimate the power of prayer. The church was praying. They saw no way. Remember, he is locked up among the guards. There's, there's guards that are guarding outside. There's multiple gates that they have to get through. And it's kind of like a mission impossible. And all of a sudden he's been set free. God sends his very best angel. You're going to get Peter out of there. And he's been set free. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Now we know that it was God who opened the gate. Our prayers don't have any special powers unless they're empowered by God. In James 5.16, it states, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Meaning that when we are in right relationship with God, 
Our prayers are effective. And maybe like Peter, you need an escape. Maybe you need a, a door to be opened or you feel like you're trapped and there's no way out. And you feel like that in your life. Guess what? I'm here to share with you today that God is the God of the impossible. He can set you free when you think that's not impossible. I'm here to declare to you today that all things are possible with God. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter if you've, if you've done something horrible and you can't even forgive yourself. If you ask Christ, he forgives you. He is faithful. There's been many times I've talked to people where Christ has already forgiven them even though they haven't forgiven themselves. You need to gr- jump into the grace of God. Amen. Today, I would remind you that praying will open the doors in your life. In John chapter 10, Jesus refers to himself as a door and that anyone who enters through him will be saved. That's the first door that you need to open in your life. You need to say, you know what, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to open that door, and that door is Jesus Christ. And here's the guarantee I'm going to give you today. Guarantee. If you open that door to Jesus, I 100% believe that God starts to open all the other doors of your life. Those things that you have buried and you have hidden and you have pushed down and you just walk with and everybody knows that you're walking with a limp. I'm talking a spiritual limp, but let me put a physical. You're walking with a a limp, and everybody sees that you're walking with a limp, and everybody can feel it when they get around you. There's a limp on that person. There's something going wrong. And because you're carrying this baggage that God never intended you to carry, and all of a sudden when you open the door to Christ, all of a sudden Jesus says, you know what, we're going to open that door too. And we're going to open that door. And we're going to open that door. And I'm going to come into that door, and we're going to start setting you Free. Just like he sets the, P- the Apostle Peter free from prison, he can set you free from the things in your life that you believe that you are trapped in. You're not trapped. You're not trapped. You're not trapped. God can set you free. Second thought about prayer is that prayer changes the expected. Prayer changes the expected. When I read the story of Peter, I, I see a story filled with expectations. And it's amazing to watch how God changes those expectations. Look at verse 11. It says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. He said, the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me, which was kill him. It's not that Peter didn't believe that God could rescue him. It's not that Peter didn't believe that God could perform the miracles. I mean, he's already seen how God has raised, under his own hand, how God raised people from the dead, how people were blind and now they see. Peter has seen all of this. But yet, for whatever reason, when Peter all of a sudden is delivered from prison, it's still a surprise to him. It's really true. Peter was delighted, but surprised. Then in verses 12 through 6, 17, you can read how Peter went to Mary's home who was, was it the mother of Jesus? This Mary is the mother of John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And Peter knocks on the door. Now, catch the picture. This MMA angel comes in, rescues Peter. He gets him out of all the gates, all the locked things, out of the cuffs, everything else. Peter all of a sudden shows up on the road. Now the angel is gone. Peter goes, man, you know, think about it. He's on the run, guys. He's a prisoner set free. People are looking for him. So he runs to a familiar place. 
It's, it's Mary, John Mark's mom's house. He knocks on the door. Rhoda, a servant girl inside, hears the knock. She runs out to go to the door where there's a gate and then there's a door. She runs out. And as soon as she gets there, I don't know if she asks who's there or whatever else it is, but she recognizes the voice of Peter. And then she gets so excited. She can't believe what's taking place. She gets so excited that she runs back inside and then she starts to share with everybody, hey, Peter's outside, Peter's outside, Peter's outside. And they go, you're mad. You're crazy. There's no way he's outside. Maybe it's his angel. Maybe it's a guardian angel. It's not Peter. I am telling you, Peter is outside. They've been praying for an answer, and she left the answer outside the locked door. She, she was so excited, she forgot to open the door to let Peter in. It says in Scripture, when they finally made a decision, well, let's go check with it. Let's go see. And, and they open the door, and they get so excited that Peter finally says, will you guys quiet down? I'm on the run for my life, guys. God's done a miracle. Yeah, it's really true. you got to see the humor in this. We read scripture so fast, we don't catch the story. This is something, Mike, you and I would be later on in life. We'd be sitting down having coffee. Hey, do you remember that one time when Peter was outside the door and he was knocking and wrote it and we didn't believe anything was happening? And you start to laugh about the, what's taking place. This is one of those moments that I'm sure they were laughing about. In the, in the, at the time, Peter was probably ticked off. I mean, he's knocking on that door and let me in. But then afterwards, they start to laugh at the thing I want to share today is about Rhoda. Her reaction displays the intent and the fervency of their prayers. She was so excited. She was overjoyed with God's answer. When she tells everyone in the household that Peter's outside, they declared that she's out of her mind. They left him outside. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, when, fine, when they finally opened the door and saw him, what does it say? They were amazed. At least that's my translation. They were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had let, them, had let him out of prison. Their amazement declares what they, were, what they were expecting. Their amazement declares what they were expecting. Even though they were praying fervently, intently, it doesn't seem to me that they're actually expecting for God to answer their prayers and set Peter, Peter free from prison. Have you ever been there? Where you're praying with faith? You're believing with all your heart? But maybe you're not expecting to actually come true? Aren't you glad that we serve a God who goes beyond our expectations? Did you catch that? He goes beyond our expectations. And it should remind us that our prayers go beyond our human expectations. It's a great life lesson for all of us on why we should pray and why we should never give up. Great expectations. Another expectation that we see God change is that of King Agrippa. Agrippa expected for Peter to be tried, and he was expecting for Peter to be executed. 
but God had other ideas. In the morning after Peter's escape, there was a great commotion among the soldiers. Why was there a commotion going on, Pastor Tom? Because Peter's gone. He's disappeared. He's not on the grid. They can't find him everywhere. They're tearing up the beds. They're looking behind every wall. They're looking in the closets. They're, they're, they're trying to find Peter. They know that there is going to be a price to pay if Peter has escaped. And then it says in Scripture that Herod comes and he, he interviews these guys. He says, what has happened to Peter? And that, we don't know. We don't know. And, and guess what takes place? He orders all of them to be executed. Woo. But here's the thing. We see how the prayers of the believers even interrupted the expectations of Agrippa. Verse 19 states that Agrippa responded by leaving Judea and going to Caesarea for a while. We don't know why. It doesn't say necessary in Scripture, but this is what I speculate. I believe that he's such a people-pleasing king. He wanted the praise of the people. And all of a sudden, Peter's escaped. And now the Jewish, where's Peter? I thought we had this plan. I thought there's, and he just said, enough of this. You know what? I don't want to deal with this. And he goes somewhere else. So he just gets away from everybody else. Again, I share this because it's great to know that we serve a God who works for the good of those who love him. He defends us from the expectations of our enemies. Maybe you're in a situation today that people are not expecting the best of you. Or they're not expecting the best for you. Maybe you're in a situation where there's someone in your life that they just would, they're just expecting that you're going to be a failure. Maybe you have that, even that expectation over you from your parents. Can I share something with you? God can rescue you from the expectations of your enemies. He changes expectations. Herod was expecting to use Peter as an example to discourage all the followers of Jesus. By executing Peter, Agrippa would have received more approval from the Jewish people. Instead, his expectations were foiled because of God's authority. Because of whose authority? God's authority. And it reminds us that ultimately, God's authority is going to win out. I'm going somewhere here, so just follow along. His authority is going to win out. No matter what you think, his authority is going to win. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28 states, The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the ex expectations of the wicked will perish. Praise God. Satan's schemes are going to perish. I share this thought with you today. Let's make sure that our expectations are aligned with the will of God. Why? Because in 1 John, it states these words in 1 John 5, 14. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Where are your expectations? Where are your expectations? Those prayers that were being sent up to heaven on behalf of Peter were aligned with the will of God. And the results really speak for themselves. Let's pray and believe and then trust God. For his expectations in our life. The story of Herod Agrippa ends really sadly. You can read it for yourself in the last few verses of this chapter. You discover that Agrippa continued to seek out the praises and the approval of people. Instead of seeking out the will of God. And let's remember something. Agrippa knew who God was. He might not have a relationship with God. But he knew the God of Israel. He knew the God of Israel. And Agrippa participated. He says in history that he even participated in the Passover celebrations with the Israelites. He knew about God of Israel. 
I share that because it wasn't that Agrippa was naive about God, but that he chose to be prideful and to seek out his own glory. In the last section of verses 20 through 25, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. These are two Phoenician cities. And he let his displeasure be known to them. And they were not under the rule of Rome at that point, these two cities. But Rome ruled a ton of stuff, even if they weren't under the direct rule. Rome provided food. They provided all kinds of things. And, it, and really, basically, it says in Scripture that out of the fear of starvation, out of the fear of not having food, they decided, you know what, let's invite King Agrippa to come to our cities and let's let him speak to our people. Let's, let's bring him in and, and let's hope, hopefully we can bring peace to the situation. That he's not going to destroy us or not going to uh, bring food here. Let's try to find peace in the situation. Agrippa was thrilled about that. And the people, when he started to speak, the people responded to Agrippa just like he expected. They gave him a, just a great ovation. I'm, I think it was a standing ovation. And these words were shouted out. It's the voice of a God, not a man. It's the voice of a God, not a man. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Look how God responds to that statement in verse 23. It states, instantly an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with words or with worms and died. I can't think of a worse way of dying than with worms. I don't like worms, not especially inside of me. I was reading that passage of scripture and I'm just reading the chapter through. And also, I, wait a minute. It hit me. The Lord struck Herod. Or the Lord, yeah, the Lord struck Herod. And I started thinking, well, wait a minute. The Lord sh- also, the angel struck Peter in verse 7. And so I started looking. It's the same words that are being used. The same Greek words that are used to, that, that where Peter was struck by the angel is the same Greek words that are used when, when the angel strikes Herod. And yet the strikes given have two completely different results. For Peter, it was a strike that led to freedom. It was the breaking free from the man-made chains that were trying to hold him to set him free, catch this, to set him free to fulfill God's purpose. Did you catch that? For Agrippa, the strike led to a horrendous death. Not just physical death, but I believe eternal death. It happened, catch this, it happened so that God's purpose could be fulfilled. So, the strike of the angel had two different results, or two different scenarios in these lives. One, it set free, Peter. Herod Agrippa, it meant death. But the purpose was the same. The purpose was the same. The purpose was for that the kingdom of God could continue to move forward. I'm going to release Peter out of prison because I need him to go out and preach the gospel. You know what, Herod, you got to get out of my way. And it shares with me, we need to get on the right side of God. Look at verse 24. It states, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. I share all of this to bring to a point in our lives, and it should be a reminder for all of us, let's not get in the way of God's will. 
It's not like you're going to stop it. But it could have a bad effect on you. And I don't want you to walk in fear. I just want you to walk in faith. I want you to take a step of faith towards Christ, not away from Jesus. I had this message prepared, and then we started worshiping the Lord today. And I started, and the, man, the worship team was off the chain today for me. The, the set was like, wow. And I'm just worshiping there. And we don't, Brett and I don't talk about the songs ahead of time. We always say, hey, Brett, I want to sing this song. No, he completely chooses the songs, and, and I'm preaching the message. And it just hit me so hard when the one song we were singing today, Make Room for Him to do whatever you want to for him. Make room for him so that he can do whatever he wants to in through your life. And it hit me today, and I want this to maybe come to you as truth. What are you expecting from God? No, no, no. Not what you're wanting from God. What are you expecting from God? There's two different things. I'm not saying what do you want from God. What are you expecting from God? Today, I want to declare to you something. That let's get on the side of God's expectations. Because our expectations are one thing. God's expectations are going to be true. And they're going to rule. For you and for me, this chapter 12 of Acts is a beautiful display that God's, God's church is not going to fail. It's going to continue to move forward. And it's going to continue to accomplish its work. Are you for him or against him? If you get for him, guess what? I believe the blessings of God will be all over you. Just like Peter was set free from prison, he's going to set free, you free from different things in your life so that you can continue to fulfill the purpose and the mission that he has called you to, to today. That's my message. Expectations. Let God change your expectations to his expectations in your life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful, it's effective, it changes lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just pour down upon us today in such a way that we would be set free from the expectations maybe we have set, and they're probably way too low for what you have planned. And God, I pray that we would get on the same wavelength, the same direction by the power of your Holy Spirit to do your will, not our will, but to do your will. I pray, God, that we would pray like never before as people who are desirous that your purpose would be fulfilled in and through our lives. Let it happen, I pray. If you're here today for just a second and you have never made a choice to follow after Christ, it's the simplest thing to do. It's just making a step of faith and saying, Lord, I put my will down, I put my expectations down, and I choose to follow you. It's just like what Jesus did with his disciples when he walked up to them and says, follow me, and they followed that's all you have to do is choose to follow. And if you choose to follow Christ, ask forgiveness for your sins, and then just make a step away from your sins and start following Jesus Christ. He is with you, and he will not fail you if you stay with him. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.